0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez and I am so excited to introduce my friend and inspiration of sorts, Sun Goddess Ashley. She is a tarot reader, Vedic astrologer, and dream interpreter. And so you'll hear a brief interlude and then hear the rest of the segment. I have a few more interviews queued up for you all and I mostly just so excited to share all these magical people with you. I hope that you enjoy it. And we have a wonderful special guest today, Sun Goddess Ashley, who's one of my very favorite people. I met her at an astrology conference last year, Um, and she is a Vedic astrologer. She has a history in Western astrology. She is a tarot reader and a dream interpreter, which is one of the most fascinating aspects about her to me. <laughs> Ashley, did I miss anything?
1: No, you got it. Hi, hi, Christine. How are you? Um, cool. Thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that's. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, I do uh, Vedic astrology, tarot, dream interpretation, and um, I think you'd wanted to talk about um, some aspects of dream interpretation in your episode today. Yes.
0: So there are questions that I've gotten from listeners who are curious about deep dream interpretation. And then I had some questions as well. And then there are a few astrology questions. Okay. And I, can I start off with actually an astrology question that I'm just yeah. Reading? So you have a pretty extensive background in Western astrology. Correct. And I'm just curious, like you also, every single time I have a conversation with you, you say something super insightful and illuminating about Vedic astrology, which just like shows your, like seriously, like I'm always so impressed with the insights that you have. And so it's like, you've shown just like so much insight and experience in both, and I'm just curious as to what made you switch from Western to Vedic.
1: Well, thank you for that, and I am a student just like yourself. We're both, um, you know, just learning astrology. It's a lifelong subject, so um, we have to stay humble, right? <laughs> um, I, I guess I started off with Western astrology um, just as an interest to almost, like, learn about psychology and how the mind works and um, just about people and personalities. Um, and then I got more and more into that. And I, I'm actually a certified Western tropical astrologer through ESAR. And uh-huh. I did teach um, some classes and workshops uh, in the LA area for a while um, in Western groups. And um, I feel like what made me uh, switch was the conference that I went to in 2015 in Sedona. Okay. And I thought it was like, I didn't know much about Vedic astrology, but I knew that it was way different. And I, because it was this whole other system, I was like, I'm going to put that off. I'm not going to, you know, overlap studies. I'm going to study what I want to in Western astrology and then kind of look into Vedic later. Mm -hmm. And when I, I was ready, like at this one point, I was just like, okay, I'm ready to see what this is about. So I went and it was like like, kind of blew my mind, and it actually put a lot of the pieces that I felt like were missing together. Um, And so it just felt, like, so real and just so authentic, and um, yeah, I never really looked back from there. So, um, yeah, I've just been studying. It makes a lot more sense, too. Um, And especially one of the things that is super popular is using the outer planets. Yes. Um, you're in a in Pluto in, uh, Vedic astrology. And I know that a lot of, uh, in Western astrology, and I know that a lot of Vedic astrologers use the outer planets. Um, it's not like the traditional way of doing things, but it does kind of make sense if you're doing mundane astrology and you're looking at, you know, events, mm-hmm. um, and maybe not as much for personality analysis in someone's chart, yeah. um. So that's just kind of my two cents about the outer planets, and it's one of the major distinctions between the two systems, too. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like um, we have sort of a similar um, kind of path into the Vedic Astral. You start off with just wanting to know people's personalities. Um, it's kind of like a gateway drug. It's like the soft drug, and then you get into the hard stuff, and you just kind of get into this other dimension. <laughs>
0: don't do drugs that's hilarious <laughs> that's the best like yes that's exactly it yeah like, it was fun in games when i was guessing people's birthdays and now i'm in this tunnel where i can like predict stuff
1: <laughs> yeah 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 um i think that people who have natural intuitive abilities tend to be drawn to the esoteric art spiritual spirituality and um higher learning anyway yeah um
0: yeah Awesome. I love that. So, and now, you know, kind of segueing into the dream interpretation because, yeah, because I'm curious, like using my experience, I didn't really feel like I could progress in something because I didn't really have a teacher. So I'm wondering when you got into dream interpretation, did you take classes? Did you have a teacher? Like how did you navigate this science? I mean,
1: no, um, I didn't really have any, formal instruction. It started off with, I did my senior thesis on Carl Jung's archetypes and then kind of got into um, relating it to the tarot. And I think tarot kind of opened me up to that. And I don't know where this came from, but it just sort of happened. It kind of sprung up and I'm like, oh, I'm good at this. I'm good at um, kind of dissecting the meaning um, and really we use this practice in um, Jyotish with uh, Namitta, right? So noticing the signs and omens of things. And uh-huh. anybody who can interpret their environment and what is going on around them for um, meaning can probably most likely do, um, you know, dream interpretation. Tarot, I think, is very similar in that. It's like you're, like, kind of decoding Symbols, and um, it really takes a good listener to be able to um, do dream interpretation. So that I feel like, um, since we're kind of talking about dream interpretation in astrology, um, you would have to really look at like the twelfth house. The twelfth house is the house of dreams and other worlds. It's the house of death and where we go when we sleep, and it has such an effect on our consciousness and our psyche and our mind. We look at the 12th house, the 12th house lord, um, planets in the 12th house that may be indicators of someone's capability of doing dream interpretation, wow. um, also the qualities of dreams that someone might have. Um, we look at transits to the 12th house, aspect, any planets that aspect the 12th house, um, or aspecting the lord of the 12th. Um, And I think uh, also, well, I was going to say something about Neptune, but I I don't know. Neptune is kind of this ethereal kind of dreamlike planet, if you do use the outer planets. Um, I personally don't. I think that the 12th house is enough. And then also the significator of the um, moon. So um, the moon is the karaka for your mind, your mindset, the inner workings. Of your uh, consciousness, inner workings of your soul, basically, um, and uh, it is a very watery planet. Dreams is very nebulous. It's very watery. It's yeah. that uh, jala tatva um, of Venus, and so I think that um, these aspects are what really um, indicate dreams, dream interpretation
0: abilities
1: the quality of dreams all of that
0: you know what's amazing is that one of the questions one of the listeners had was how to see dreams in a vedic astrology chart and so you just answered that question Mm -hmm. (laughs) but what i had asked (laughs) okay cool if you had a teacher to like guide you or something like that but like i love how it just transformed into this beautiful answer for one of the questions I was going to ask you anyway so that was like wow and so but I do I want to follow up so the 12th house is the house of, of dreams and sleep and subconscious it's also like our creativity as you were saying and so I'm interested like if you were to see a chart and you're like oh my gosh like clearly this person has like prophetic dreams like would you, are there key indicators you would look for in a chart?
1: I think a well-placed, um, I think a well-placed, um, moon or again, 12th house lord, if it's in dignity or if it's with, um, other benefics, Mm -hmm. um, maybe an indicator of that. To look at the dream itself, I've never actually done this, but it just came to me, um, doing like a, um, a chart like a the chart or like a, a timing chart for um, the actual time that you woke up from the dream. Um, wow. If it was in the middle of the night, you can maybe record the time and then run the chart in the morning and see what was going on through transits. Wow, um, I'm also hearing doing a Chandra Lagna chart, and you can look from the moon to see, the, you know. The qualities of this in a person. um, I think maybe that's what I would, that's what I would uh, associate
0: with that. Okay, wow, thank you so much. And so that was one of the questions was, can dreaming be found anywhere in the birth chart? Um,
1: Another... I have Varga charts, but I don't know if it's one of the Varga charts, one of the divisional charts, if it's with dreams. I'm not sure. I haven't done enough research on that, but that would make sense. Okay. Also, um, when you, maybe the uh, D12 chart, I'm just guessing, I actually don't know. Okay. But the 12th division, if you're looking at the 12th house, maybe the D12 would indicate dreams.
0: Okay. Awesome. Um, Another part of that question was the person asked indicators of manifestation. And so I'm not necessarily sure if that was just kind of like a totally separate question or if it was kind of like maybe if we dream something and then it manifests in reality. But even when I say that, does anything come up for you?
1: Like prophetic dreams? Like if you dream something and then it manifests in reality? Yeah,
0: I guess, yes. Hmm. That's what I'm interpreting this to mean, this question. Which I guess I kind of asked you earlier.
1: Yeah, I don't know what graha would be responsible for that, to be honest, but I feel like this whole maya illusion of reality is a manifestation of a larger dream. Yeah. So if you really want to get kind of esoteric about this, we are all just dreaming. This is a dream, even talking to you right now, even listening to the podcast, it's all a dream. Yeah. Um, and I feel like the whole chart is a manifestation of this dream, so you would have to look at what's being manifested with Mm -hmm. the different planets, right, so um, what oftentimes when I think of manifestation and things growing and things happening in the incarnation element, I would think uh, Rahu, right, Rahu is the thing that brings us into existence it propels us forward it's the way that the soul is going for lessons and it brings us deeper and deeper into maya um again the manifestation planets would be any of the pancha any of the five grahas you've got mercury venus mars jupiter and saturn they all play a special role in this experience of the five senses Okay, that five senses is the Pancha Tattva. It just depends on what reality you're looking at. You know, for creativity, you want to look at Venus. For understanding and intellect and, you know, comprehension of words and symbols, you want to look at Mercury. Mm -hmm. Um, For movement and motion, you want to look at um, Jupiter because it's space right? So it's taking up space, it's growing, it's moving through time. And the energy, that life force that moves us forward is Mars. So they all have a different element of everything is a manifestation.
0: Yeah. Wow. I love that. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, and like for me, like, I'm so glad to hear that because it's just something that I wouldn't have thought of really. The first thing that I was thinking was like seeing if somebody has a lot of creativity, um, and maybe the likelihood to fantasize versus their ambition and will to do it in the outer world. Do you see what I'm saying? And so that more of like a, um, it's not necessarily manifestation in the sense of prop in prophecy, but more of like, does this person have the will and the ambition to fulfill their So it's kind of like my, my answer was kind of to a different question.
1: I feel like you would have to have a combination of, um, you know, either exaltation, debilitation or benefics and malefics aspecting your moon or your ascendant or, um, it just, you'd have to have a combination because if you have too many easy combinations in your chart, you'll become complacent and lazy and you will have that ambition. And maybe things come to you, but you might not appreciate it or work for it. Um, and then you also have that sort of glorious underdog um, kind of takes the, the crown um, theme that everybody loves. It's hearing that all of that like grit and determination can be seen from a lot of hard aspects and debilitated planets in your chart where you're working on that more, and it gives you the, you have the ability to put in extra effort, um, and it is your, it is your karma, you know, to Yeah. that, so I think it just, yeah, it depends, and I think that what you were talking about as far as having the ability to be creative, mm-hmm. I would say definitely, of course, you look at Venus, but also, do you have a lot of water in your chart? <clears throat> You know, water is like this, um, again, it's sort of the dream-like state. It can be very intuitive. It can be very creative um, and almost mystical.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So the sign of the mystic is Pisces, right? And it's the natural significator of the 12th house. And it's where Mercury is debilitated. It's where Venus is exalted. It's what Jupiter rules. So you have benefics and a neutral planet that are associated with this Natural ruler of the 12th house, right? So that would indicate, I guess, um, creative abilities and the ability to manifest your creations into reality w- would be those maybe those three planets that are associated with that house, that sign.
0: Wow. <laughs> awesome. You agree? I do. I I mean, definitely the indicators for creativity in terms of Mercury and Venus, but then also having a strong Mars is going to give people the ambition. Or having many planets in a fire sign is going to give people that ambition and motivation to get up and get things going. So actually, one of the questions someone has is, what does it mean when there are retrograde planets in a birth chart? I thought that was a great question.
1: I mean... Yeah, so first and foremost, what is a retrograde, right? As we are experiencing it now. We had um technical difficulties even like starting this <laughs> starting this meeting, but if we just kind of got it after like the third or fourth time, right? Um, so it's when it a a planet is vakri or it's twisted, right? So when a planet is vakri, it doesn't behave according to its natural abilities, right? It has some sort of odd um, or unusual way of expressing its natural form. So we're in the middle of Mercury retrograde, or we just, we've just started Mercury retrograde, um, which is a great time to do a, <laughs> to do a, a podcast. Um, but I think it's important. I think that's what Mercury was asking of us. Really wanted to get us to um, talk about things that, um, you know, we've been studying or learning, right? Mercury is this planet of curiosity as well, and it likes to explore different ideas, and um, there is this uh, quality of Mercury retrograde is sort of going back to things that we've done before, like covering over old territory, or talking with old friends or um, kind of rehashing things, rediscussing things, but it has the ability to kind of bring a like a lot of intensity with it too, so it can be either too much or not enough, and that's with every planet in the birth chart, where it's seen as like kind of um underachiever or an overachiever type planet so um people that have Mercury retrograde may, like, in their chart, mm-hmm. may feel misunderstood or, like, their ideas aren't, you know, necessarily getting across to people, um, possibly. But they're very deep thinkers because there's this retrograde aspect of it um, moving backwards or, or being internalized. So these people can think things through or... Um, In their mindset before they speak them or they just may never speak what they're thinking or hearing or or saying in their head and there can be a sense of like repetition so a lot of times I've noticed that people with mercury retrograde in the chart can tend to um, mull over things, uh, ruminate, Mm -hmm. ruminate in things and and sort of play the same tape over and over internally. I don't know if I'm going on a tangent, but I'm just kind of letting it flow, <laughs> so. No, I think it's great. Um, Yeah.
0: So, generally speaking, like, if a planet is retrograde in a birth chart, Right. I would just, for me, I would personally say, like, for whatever planet is retrograding, and this is, like, a very, like, I don't even know, like a light way of putting it because you want to see what planet it is, you want to see what house it's in, like there are so many different things to consider. But it does have a tendency to internalize things and to give some sort of like introspective aspect to it, but then it also tends to take the qualities of that planet and distort it in a way. And it's either, it's going to be a positive thing or a negative thing, but the qualities of the planet are going to act different than a planet direct. What do you think?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole um, concept of it being distorted. Is that vakri, It's that twisted um, way of operating. And sometimes when planets are when planets are retrograde in a chart, because they're moving backwards, you know, they're not technically moving backwards, but from the Earth's perspective, it appears as though it's moving backwards. They tend to operate according to the opposite houses functioning. So if you have a planet in the eighth and it's retrograde, it would, uh, the manifestations of that planet would appear in the second house.
0: I've never heard that before.
1: It's like if you're in, um, it's like your car is parked in in a garage in your house and then you start backing up. You're going towards your neighbor's house, right, on the opposite side of the street. So, that energy, if you're backing up out of your driveway, is pointed toward uh-huh. the house behind you.
0: Wow. So, it'll
1: have these sort of qualities. So, let's, let's talk about, um, let's say, uh, Venus retrograde in Pisces. Okay. This quality would um, have the, these sort of exalted qualities of Venus. Being very pure and being very um, sattvic in energy, um, but it would um, activate that energy of Venus as if it were in uh, Virgo, right? And so a lot of times you can see with like with uh, the sixth house in Virgo, we see it's the house of celibacy, right? So somebody with a retrograde Uh, Venus, which is sexuality and relationships, Mm -hmm. in Pisces might be acting in a very pure form, but a lot of times they're, you know, they're celibate or they're not in relationships. So because there's such a devotional quality, there's such a devotional aspect, these people can be like monks or, you know, um, priestesses or some sort of spiritual yogini. Yeah.
0: Yeah, anyway. no, I love that. And it's like, I actually pulled up a chart really quick. These you remind me of someone and I was like, I want to see if their Venus is retrograde, <laughs> <laughs> but no, now it's just like, I want to look at a bunch of charts and analyze that. That is so it, like, there are a few people in my mind who I'm thinking of who have Venus specifically retrograde. And I feel like that that makes a lot of sense. And so that's just so, so, so interesting. And it doesn't
1: have to be in Pisces. It can be in any sign. But you look at at what house it's in, and and then the expression of that comes from the opposite house.
0: Okay. And so, yeah. All right. So we covered that question in terms of what it's like to have retrograde planet in a chart and what that might look like. And so retrograding back to dream interpretation. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, I like to see what you did there. <laughs> um, so did, so you didn't, you, a lot of it is self-study and utilizing your intuition from astrology and, tar- and tarot that you've developed throughout the years to kind of self-teach dream interpretation, or did you take a class or read books?
1: No, I must have done it in a past life. <laughs> I don't know. It just sort of came to me, and it felt so natural. And I didn't train for it; it just happened. So
0: that blows my mind. Okay. Oh, really? Because i I've gotten multiple dream interpretations from you, it's and I feel that every time that we have a dream interpretation, the symbols that you see are incredibly in alignment with what is happening. For me in the outer world. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I mean, yeah, I'm just, I truly am very impressed with that.
1: So there's a level of interpretation, right? I'm the interpreter of what's going on in your psyche. And we have to look at maybe combinations of your moon and my Mercury or something to that extent, because interpretation is Mercury, right?
0: Would you, do you have any books or tools or resources to recommend to learn dream inter- interpretation?
1: Honestly, I didn't read any. Okay. Um, I took classes, I took psychology classes in college, and then um, I just, I don't know, it's a natural ability. I don't, I haven't studied it or practiced it. Um, again, I want to sort of circle back to the Namitha, like, can you, interpret the signs and omens that are happening. A lot of times people have these abilities to notice things, but they dismiss them as insignificant. But really, as above, so below, as within, so without, as the universe, so my soul. Everything is a reflection of everything. We're reflecting the cosmos above, the external world around us, what we see in our, you know, day-to-day reality is an inner reflection of what's going on inside of us and, and our soul. So it's a projection like a a movie onto a screen, right? So everything that I'm seeing and everything that you're seeing in front of you is a projection of the inner movie. So if you notice things, you notice repetitions, you notice signs, the universe is always talking to you. Spirit is always talking to you um, through not just what's going on around you, but other people, other people's words. So even clients can speak to you. Even your friends can speak to you. They're all, we're all just messengers of God. So um, I think it's just practice um, to be able to notice the signs around you would help you if you wanted to do dream interpretation yourself. Also what I did, um, I I would say there is no book really. On dream interpretations, yes, you can Google symbols and what they mean. There's an infinite number of definitions out there, animal totems, of symbols, of what this or that may mean. But here's the thing, like no book is going to be as comprehensive as the one you carry around in your mind. The one you carry around, this is the book. Okay, so if you want to practice you know, um, studying your dreams, for example, and being more connected to yourself that can help you understand how to interpret other people's dreams. And the best way to do this is just keep a dream journal. Right. So again, you have that mercury aspect of journaling, right. Writing words down what you could describe the images and pictures that you see when you're sleeping. Um, and then you have the 12th house, you know, sleep here. So you've got sort of the that, um, those combinations coming back into play. So dream journaling, I think is the best thing. And it's interesting because you can actually go back, you know, and see, cause we forget our dreams, right? So if you go back and, and you can read them from weeks ago, months ago, you can actually see things come true. And you're like, Whoa, I didn't know that I had prophetic dreams because I forgot that I had that dream. And here it is appearing in my reality so, so much later. So That's the best book, is well, your, your dream journal.
0: Yeah, and so what would you say, though, like, if someone is having nightmares, and they're, like, horrible, and you can't even, like, imagine that you were capable of thinking such a thing, like, what do you generally think about that type of stuff? There's two
1: things that I would say with, um, nightmares, um, a lot of times children have nightmares, but if are you talking about adults? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's there's a few things. Um, nightmares come up as like fears, right? If we're having some sort of anxiety in our life or we feel pressured or burdened in some way or we feel this sense of dread about some sort of impending deadline or goal that we feel like we're afraid to reach, Sometimes nightmares can come up um, as just a way of acting out, um, you know, our inner feelings about what we're kind of being faced with or what we're currently going through. Another, um, I say, I think maybe category would be um, if you've had uh, unresolved traumas. Mm -hmm. So um, I've noticed this too. People have nightmares or just, I guess, nightmare, the definition of that, Would be anything that you wake up feeling not good about. So it doesn't have to be graphic or violent for it to be a nightmare. It can just be something that spooks you or shakes you and you're like, it doesn't sit right with you in the morning. So it doesn't, it can be just something that's creepy. It doesn't have to be, you know, super vulgar or extreme. Um, But that can be a lot of times that are unresolved traumas. Another thing is just energy clearing. Um, so a way to prevent nightmares would be to make sure to keep your energy clean. And there's, that's just a whole nother can of worms on, like, it's a whole nother topic to get into. Um, but sometimes we have soul ties with people from our past, um, that are representative of a message in our dreams. So if you, if you've been stalked before by certain energies, maybe it it comes from a past relationship, whether it's romantic or not, doesn't matter, could be familial relationship, like one of your family members, or just a old friend, or something that happened, um, you know, in your childhood. Um, Another thing is just dark entities, and I hate to say that because I don't like fear-mongering, but um, that's a part of keeping your energy clean, because there is good, and there is bad, and there is light, and there is dark. Everything is Sort of this yin yang of our, you know, reality as humans. So there are dark forces out there. There are dark entities. I don't mess with them. I doubt you do, or anyone who's really listening to your, maybe this podcast does. Um, there's no judgment in that, but uh, I find that the darker entities aren't as helpful as the light. So um, if you, and I, I've experienced this quite a bit as a reader too. Um, where people have, like, attachments or things they're carrying other, and other people's energies, like, I can pick up on that stuff. And so it's very important for me as a reader, anyone doing psychic work, even astrologers, you're looking into someone's soul when you look at their chart. That's a huge, huge responsibility and honor to be able to do that. But people are people, and they have these – um you know they have good bad and indifferent experiences so you can pick up other people's energies basically so just clean your energy do cord cutting you know take salt baths pray do mantras do whatever you can to keep your your energy clean and it will cut down on the likelihood of nightmares also my grandmother used to say this like garbage in garbage out what are you what kind of information are you taking in you know are you listening to vulgar music? Are you watching violent, dark things, especially right before bed? It's like you're programming your inner self to then process that in your sleep. And your eyes, whatever it takes in, can't differentiate between reality and fantasy. Children can't, right? That's why they get nightmares, I think, more often, because they're still differentiating as what's reality versus what's imagination. Because, Children are very imaginative, right? Um, That's why you don't bring young children to like rated R movies, right? Right. Um, So whatever stimulus you're taking in is what you have to process during the night. And sometimes we don't just process the day's information, we process years back or days back or however long ago um, that we didn't have time to process back then. It's coming back up. Everything is cyclical. And that's why it's also important to get enough sleep, because if you don't um, get enough sleep, you're not allowing yourself to process enough of the day's events, and it's almost like rebooting your computer and then or you know installing updates and then stopping halfway. Like there's still more processing to be done before you can fun- that computer can function, right? So
0: <laughs> that's, yeah. Yeah. I love what you said, though, about, like, garbage in, garbage out, and that's something that I actually talk about on the podcast pretty often. Really? Um, yeah, of, yes, not verbatim. Your grandmother says it much more eloquently than I
1: do. says <laughs> it very succinctly, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> what I usually talk about is, is what we choose to surround ourselves with and fuel ourselves with, and that can be food or it can be sound it can be sight it's like consumption isn't just with the mouth it's with all of our senses beautiful and so if we're consuming crap like you were talking about like we're gonna feel like crap and so we may be eating healthy food and we're like man but why do I still have anxiety why do I still uh feel fear why do I feel depressed And it's like well you know let's evaluate what else you're feeling your body with
1: yeah yeah absolutely yeah health is not just like physical health it's psychological health it's emotional health there's so many layers to it and also spiritual health right spiritual cleansing is really important Totally. Mm -hmm. so here's I have just thought of like this theory about why people listen to or consume garbage um when you're not feeling great um and you talk to a friend you want that friend to not change your frequency. Like if you're feeling down and depressed, you don't want like a bunch of cheer thrown at you because that's not how you're feeling, right? And you don't necessarily feel understood by that. If something is reflected back to you, it's like, yes, I totally understand where you're coming from, I totally get that. You feel heard, you feel understood and that itself is cathartic, right? Because you're not meeting with resistance. You're actually, it has like a nice outlet it, and it feels like, it's like, a okay, it, this can help, uh, this reflection can help me process. So with, same with music. Music is a reflection of what you're feeling on the inside. When I, for example, if I get angry, I want to listen to angry music. Yeah. If I'm not feeling super empowered, I want to listen to empowering music. Yeah. And I think a lot of people walk around feeling disempowered. They feel like there's such a lack mindset of lack of money, lack of sex, lack of love, lack of self-respect. And so they feel that that resonance comes out in the music they choose because it reflects that by overcompensating, right?
0: And we're all guilty of it. I mean, we're all playing into it.
1: It's not a judgment. It's just, it's just Uh an Explanation as to why, right? It's not that people have to, you know, listen to mantras 24-7. Um, but there, I mean, we're not, it's good to work on yourself and to improve yourself. But, you know, to hold yourself to a level like I have to be a saint, you know, or, you know, be this be this way is not necessarily realistic. We do live in this world. Um, but I think, I just think that that's why people consume garbage is because it's a, it's a way of mirroring and it makes them feel justified. It makes them feel like they're not wrong. And it, and it is in some backwards way a, a way of healing when they can meet that frequency, when they can meet that resonance, that they're not crazy, that they're not alone, right? So that's maybe a psychological, I guess, um, motivation of why people gravitate towards certain habits and certain things. But it's not it's not good to become a
0: habit, right? It's Yes. Right. Or I with the habit. So it's like the self awareness around it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) and just for the listeners though, because it's like I understand where you're coming from and I know that you understand where I'm coming from. But it's like when we're referring to it as garbage, like it is somebody's self expression. Right. It is somebody's artistic self-expression to express those emotions that we were talking about that so many of us resonate with, like anger or sadness. And so it's not, again, it's not like inherently wrong. It's just we don't want to stay in that space. Correct. We don't want to live every day um, in anger or in sadness right. or in, you know, um, just like negative rhetoric. And so if we have that self-awareness where it's like, okay, like, I actively know that I'm listening to Logic right now, and I'm not going to identify with his lyrics per se, but I'm going to appreciate his art, maybe motivate me on the treadmill. It's just like a different way of approaching.
1: Yeah, I feel like the definition of garbage would be anything that um, you would do repeatedly over and over and over that would create dis-ease over time. Awesome. So, consciously engaging in quote unquote garbage um, is fine if you want to do that, you know, for the moment, if it helps you, you know, if you enjoy it. Everybody has their thing. But if it becomes like a habitual thing, it will create dis ease over time. Then you know that it's not elevating you, right?
0: Right. And I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, it's very difficult for me to believe that somebody can listen to angry music constantly and not experience any type of emotional flux. Like, that's very difficult for me to believe because there is music that, I mean, I appreciate that's more angry or more whatever, but if I only listen to that, I will feel disease for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, (laughs) there's a
1: time and
0: place for all of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Everything is appropriate. In an appropriate context because otherwise it wouldn't exist. But when you use it inappropriately, for example, all the time, you know, uh, it, yeah, it becomes unhealthy.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have any tips for remembering dreams?
1: Writing them down. Yeah, um, that's it. <laughs>
0: What about like if people can't um, remember when they wake up?
1: Um, I would say no stimulants. You know, no marijuana, no alcohol, no caffeine before bed or any other sort of stimulant. Getting eight hours of sleep at least. Um, uh, Again, doing certain things that would facilitate the quality of sleep. Um, so any sort of nighttime activities that would be conducive to good rest, say taking a, like a nice warm bath, um, not being on your devices at least you know 60 minutes before bed, like getting off your devices. Um, just sort of powering down um, in general, it, lavender is really good for sleep. So like lavender essential oils, also sleeping um, in a room that is like quiet and doesn't have a lot of lights blinking, right, so darkness and quiet and facing the right way. So facing your head towards the south direction is actually the best direction for sleep. Um, not being next to a window, so these are just certain like vastu techniques um, mm-hmm. that are helpful for rest I think those wow. are the best tips, I think, for remembering your dreams is just quality of sleep.
0: Awesome. Yeah, something that's helped me also is kind of meditating on the idea that I will remember the dream. <laughs> okay. Has it worked for you? Huh? Has that worked for you? I, I'm a pretty active dreamer anyway, you know, so it's kind of hard to to actually have like fair data on that, but I I do before I go to sleep I take a moment and I sit in silence and I just like focus on the fact that I'm going to remember clearly, um, and so that you know that's helped me find a little bit of clarity in the dream. But I already I've always remembered so. Yeah,
1: I Not- think I think that's so important. That's such a great point, and and that's um, very applicable to a lot of things in life. Setting your intention is so powerful, right? Yeah. <laughs> Setting your focus on, on, uh, you know, also what's interesting is that I just thought of this too, um, not just transits, but certain dashas that you might be running, um, might give you periods in life where you have more active dreams.
0: Mm-hmm. And that would be in alignment with your natal chart, right? Mm-hmm. Like depending on the individual, their dasha would be different depending on their 12th house ruler, mm-hmm. or do you think that there would be a dasha specifically?
1: I feel like it would be for your chart.
0: Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything else? I know that we're kind of reaching the hour mark. Is there anything okay. that you want to add or anything else that kind of came up?
1: Um, no, I like the way that this conversation went. Me
0: too. We didn't
1: really I feel it. Like- We didn't have any sort of script or schedule um, or plan, so I, I think it flowed very nicely. It flowed naturally. So I hope the yeah. listeners like it.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And so if the listeners do want to find Ashley, which they sh- totally should, um, you have a YouTube channel which is Sun Goddess Astrology on YouTube, and then your website is SunGoddessAshley.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's- awesome. What was that? Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can schedule astrology reading, tarot reading, dream interpretation. Do you offer any other services? No, nope. that's it. Awesome. Well, it was amazing talking to you. I'm sure that I'll be talking to you very soon. <laughs>
1: This is great. Thank you so much, Christine. I really appreciate you having me on. This is fun.
0: All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this segment. I hope that it was helpful. If you would like to schedule a reading with me, please email me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. Visit my website, innerknowing.yoga. Please follow Astrology Now's Instagram, AstrologyNow_Podcast, underscore podcast, and on Twitter, astrologynow underscore. And if you are interested in learning more about Ashley and her mini offerings, they will be listed in the info for the segment. So be sure to check her out. Again, this is Astrology Now. My name is Christine. Thank you so much.